0: All right, today, the eighth day of the 12 days of Christmas, and it's Rochelle, and what are you doing?
1: I'm eating a mint. Why? Because I have to get ready for the
0: podcast. We already recorded it. This is the part where we say what we already recorded.
1: I'm going to listen to it later, and I just, I want to go in fresh.
0: Day eight, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Hello, Rochelle is here. She's just being just, weird.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting to find I don't know. Are we just gonna get into it this time? Sometimes you you surprise us and spring on us music that we're
0: I just a classic.
1: Not needing to hear. Just, oh no.
0: What just what's a, a classic what do you mean in your a, book? A classic. <gasps> this
1: really is.
0: I typed in Nat King Cole. And you know what the first song that came up was.
1: Uh, don't say anything. You'll ruin
0: it. You're saying stuff. Shh.
1: Chestnuts
0: roasting on an open fire.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: That man's voice. Why are you saying stuff?
1: Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Mm -hmm. Yuletide carols
0: being sung by choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Oh my word. No, I want to say something. This is actually a good. Uh, this is a good so idea good. that we did this song because I've always wondered. Now I know the answer, but chestnuts roasting on a what? Open what?
1: Are you serious?
0: I again, I said I know the answer. Is this
1: a setup for a joke? No,
0: this is not a joke. This is you're about to hear. it. I may ruin the song for you. Actually, um, what is it? What does it say? Chestnuts
1: roasted on an open fire.
0: Does it not sound the way he pronounces it? Mm-mm. Open file. No.
1: Listen. No. 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 Chestnuts roasting on an open file. No. It totally does. No, he's got like this incredible. In fact, I was gonna point out the fact that the way he sings, nose and fire, and he kinda of opens up the back of the throat. If you've ever sung. If you ever chug syrup. No, if you've ever sung, he like opens those so you get this full, rich, just I don't even even almost flinty sound. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's fantastic! It's fantastic. I just for the first, I think, for years growing up, I'm like, file? No,
1: I refuse. And this is why I'm being so adamant uh-huh. because now every time I hear that song, <laughs> I'm going to have to purpose my mind to not think of what you just
0: said. Well, let's think of other things. Day eight of our <gasps> Christmas journey, the real Christmas story, the, the 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 important Christmas story of Jesus being born. Um, and I, I, mean, honestly, if you're on day eight and you haven't heard days one through seven, we'd love for you to go back and yes. check those out.
1: Can I just bring up something you just said? Okay. What would you consider to not be, you were like the best, did you say the real Christmas story or the best Christmas story? What did you just say? I revisit, we your can words. talk
0: openly on the podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. Just FYI. If you're an adult with kids, just FYI, we're going to talk okay. openly and here. And you don't have to like second.
1: give me the full blown thing. Yeah. Just say the that I've
0: been saying the real Christmas story okay. and I don't want that to be some jab. Like, uh, this is the real one, right? but I just, I, so this, and so then I kind of changed it. The most important Christmas story. There yeah, you go. The most
1: yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, I just, I really want to say this because this is something that as a child growing up in a preacher's home, a preacher who was, uh, the children's pastor for almost 20 years and trying to figure out how am I going to navigate this one with my quote flock, mm-hmm. my little lambs, Yeah. you know? And my dad did an incredible job, I think, because he would always direct their attention to the story of St. Nicholas and this incredible guy. And he was a real guy. And so you could talk about the real guy and the fact that he looked to the real God. And I think that that's completely something that's—I some, don't know. i there I have been a part of experiences where people are like, well— I don't like having all this other stuff. Now, I I get that sometimes it's so commercialized. It's difficult to even walk through the holiday season without feeling like you have to get a shovel. Yeah. And there's no snow around. Oh, for sure. So I, I understand that. But I always, I love the fact that when you find a Santa... Who directs children's eyeballs to the king of
0: kings oh well we have one there you go if you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out or a couple of days after uh santa who does that is going mm-hmm. to be on her show mm-hmm. at the end of this next week and there's honestly the best image uh, you know picture says a thousand words santa kneeling at the manger yeah. that's, so, that's always just that's always a good i think that's the perfect balance right there
1: yeah it is now it's my mom collects those Oh. Anytime she sees it, she picks up one. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, there's different images or...
1: The Kneeling Santa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been done a few times by different artists and... Do you
0: remember the first time that I brought up, because I had never seen it, and I was like, Rochelle, there is this incredible thing that I have, I had, I just saw the other day. It was Please this, tell me, I didn't artist. look down my
1: nose or be condescending. Oh, or- you totally
0: did. And <laughs> I said, it, so it was this, it was uh. this picture of sand, and there was, and there was this quote... And it said, I was walking with you. Well, what about where there was only one set of footprints? My child. That is where I carried you. And I and I told you this of like, yes. can you, that is so beautiful. And you go, <laughs> I was like 30 years
1: old. No, I laugh. This is really, I do remember what happened. Yeah. I laughed because Carter, most of the time, he sets me up with all this sarcasm. That's true. That's true. And I really think he knew the story of foot. The, okay. The poem of footprints is so completely hugely world renowned okay apparently this poem and I I really thought that you'd heard it and I'm so sorry I I didn't mean to be I thought you were joking so and, and listen yeah. if you're listening right now you're like I have no idea what you're talking look about. it up. I do not mean to be sounding condescending at all and I think that's kind of where we slip even when we've been at something for so long we just assume everybody knows about it like that that involves parenthood or anything else like psh, you kidding of course kids cry. How do you not know the kids cry?
0: Yeah. You know, or whatever. And yet obedience from God teaches us to love others in the midst of where they're at. That was just a, a, a segue because today <laughs> is about obedience day number eight. Eight days, then obey.
1: Eight days, then obey. And you're like, what does that mean? So the eighth day has a very important start with a guy named Abraham. And we've referenced this guy uh, in fact, Father Abraham is a name that he's been given or the, the guy who kind of got the whole thing going with the Jewish people. Yeah, And this guy was obedient from the beginning when he heard this voice that said, I want you to move away from everything you've ever known, away from the worship stylings you've ever known. I want you to move. It was the voice of God. But he even he hadn't even really shared with Abraham his name yet. And so Abraham, without thinking about it okay, you talk about somebody who just took a step of faith.
0: Just recognition that whatever this is, it's bigger than me.
1: It's bigger than me. And I think that's a brilliant way of putting it. It's bigger than me. He was humble to obey, and he did. On so many occasions when most of us would have gone, what? When God asked him even to sacrifice his own son, Mm -hmm. Isaac. And I will tell you the foreshadowing of that to what God himself Would take upon himself. Let me explain. When he asked Abraham, who had this little boy named Isaac, and he Abraham loved Isaac so much, just like we all do with our own children. And Abraham, I'm gonna test you. I think you might love your child more than you love me. And I want to see if you're dedicated to me. I want you to take your son the next day up on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him as an offering to me without blinking. The scripture is, that's the way it implies. Now, obviously, if you're a parent, then you know there was blinking involved. But the scriptures say the next day he went right out and he took his son Isaac to, to sacrifice. And guess who carried the wood on his back for the sacrifice? It was the son.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is Jesus who carries the cross on his own back. And they go up the mountain and he is going to sacrifice his son. He straps him to the altar. and he. Isaac, where's the lamb that we will sacrifice? God will provide the lamb. And instead of having to sacrifice his own child in that moment, God provides a ram and he uses that in its place. And the angel's words to Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. I see that you love me more. It's all good. But we see so many years later that Jesus, nobody was there to stop it because the words that Abraham had said to Isaac were coming true. God provided the lamb. And it was Jesus. It's incredible. So here's this guy named Abraham who walks out this life of faith. And when it comes to circumcision, the same deal. He says, I want to have all of the kiddos in your camp, everybody who is under your command. I want the babies, the boys only, obviously, uh, to be circumcised. And this will be a tradition that happens every time a child is born. Eight days, they will be circumcised. And Abraham at the age of 99 does it himself. And it's just this physical sign of saying, I am God's. I, will, I am choosing to obey. I am going to be yours fully. And this is a physical representation to, to show that. And that's what happened. Eight days after baby Jesus was born, he was no different than any other Jewish male that was born. He was taken. He was circumcised. He was named. And the name that they gave him,
0: Named on the eighth day, then,
1: I believe that is correct.
0: And, G- and yeah. episode five talks more about his name because mm-hmm. he will save our people. Yes. Uh, and so, following, I mean, that's the thing. So much of what we've talked about is Mary and Joseph going through it, tough times, a long journey. Yeah. Even though that's what God called them to do, God called them, you know, said this is the the plan. And by the way, there's going to be all this troubles too. And then here's Jesus as well, mm-hmm. going through, you know, stuff that he, he doesn't have to do any of this.
1: It's a human thing.
0: It's a human thing. I don't.
1: I shouldn't have to represent it physically in my body these things because I'm already connected. Yeah. To God the Father, He is my Father, and He does it. But He does it. I. He's humbled.
0: Yeah. I, I, stuff like that is why I think Christianity is so different from oh, everything yeah. else. It sets it apart. Because not only is it we don't have to earn our way to heaven, we just have to believe that Jesus did the work, but also let's just say let's just say that you work at a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. and the manager uh, is somebody who is the boss's kid, didn't earn the job, and just tells you what to do. He's never worked in your position a day in his life. And you don't have as much respect for him yeah. as a manager. You didn't earn the authority. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You were just
1: handed this position.
0: But it, and but he's still in charge, right? Mm-hmm. But as much as a manager that started where you did, mm-hmm. he cleaned the bathrooms on his first day too. Sure. Then he had to do the drive-through, and now he's doing. And so he has that rapport. And again. Still in charge either way. So God, Jesus, they're still in charge, no matter whether Jesus came to this earth or not, because they invented everything. Yeah. Uh, but just the just the gratitude that I have mm. of that he didn't have to. Yeah. And he started where we started. That's amazing.
1: I mean, it's hard to fathom. I mean, it might, yeah, it's true. And And he doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done. That's a statement we've heard before, maybe, mm. maybe from a pulpit. Uh, maybe you just heard a friend, maybe you just heard it from me, but it's true. He's never asked of us anything. He laid his life down in every way imaginable, his entire life. I'm not just talking about death on a cross. I'm talking about the 33 years preceding it. And starting day eight when they circumcised him, it was another example. First he came and was born in the first place and went through a natural childbirth situation and is weaned by a woman and, and taught carpentry and all the things that Jesus did. Um, more than likely, yes, hit his hand with the hammer, learning, and yeah. took on this fragile body that he had helped create. And it wasn't purposed to be fragile, but because sin was ushered into the world by disobedience, it became fragile. Death entered the picture, mm-hmm. and he decided to to take on that flesh and and, and work it out. And man will forever be grateful. and. I think I've said it before, it's like, you know, when my, when my kiddo comes up and, and kisses me on the cheek and thanks me for something that I've done, there's no way that my child could ever, quote, pay me back for all the sleepless nights or, or all the things that we've invested in our children. They can't pay us back, but when they give us that kiss, it's so beautiful. So there's no way I can ever pay back what Jesus did, but if there's any way that I can give him kisses along the way with my obedience, and so, you know, even the fact that Joseph just walked out with the the angel had commanded. You're going to name him Jesus. There was no Joseph Jr. He was obedient. And then there's this incredible picture that happens. It's 40 days um, into Jesus's life. So you have the eight days in and then 40 days. He's taken to the temple. He's presented at the temple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So here the official things take place.
0: And And let me ask this too, because we're right here. They had to go back to Egypt at some point. But that was even after the wise men. So just timeline wise, forty days they're still and they're not in Bethlehem, but they're back in Nazareth. Or where would they have been? They
1: would have stayed in Bethlehem because the wise men show up maybe a year later.
0: And they're still in Bethlehem. They're when the wise still men in show Bethlehem. Up? Now okay. listen,
1: uh, Kelsey hasn't had a baby yet, but no woman wants to ride a donkey for seven days, have a baby, and then be like eight days later. Hey, let's go back. And and no. that's
0: true. It's just one of those interesting. We got to go to this Bethlehem for a census, and then yeah. it's like, man, a few months later, I am like, hey, we got to go back home. How how long do they have to be there for the census? did
1: I, that you, take a while you have to register.
0: What didn't was, was that not well, a day was that not a week?
1: How long does it take us at the DMV?
0: Oh Lord, it took seven months. <laughs>
1: so they they they're in Bethlehem, but Jerusalem is only about four miles away.
0: Okay, so okay. they
1: when they present him at the temple. All right. That's a little bit of a trek, but four miles as opposed to 100 miles to go all the way back to Nazareth. Yep. So they present him at the temple, and there's this incredible encounter that takes place. There's a guy there named Simeon. And Simeon, um, some historians think he may have even been up to 200 years old. We talked about the time frame about where God hadn't really been speaking to his people. Not in an official way, and I put that in quotes. Because I think God continued to commune with faithful followers. But there was a lot of disruption uh, that took place um, between even King David and the King of Kings in the Jewish people and where they were landing with obedience, and there was a lot of idolatry, and then the kingdom splits, and it's just there's a lot of stuff that takes place. So there was a 500 year period, it's said, that God, we didn't hear from God. And they were desperate to hear from God. But Simeon, it says that this guy was a righteous man. He was was someone that God would have, there would have just been a twinkle in his eye. Mm -hmm. He got lots of kisses, if you will, from Simeon on his cheek because he was a good man. And he was promised by the Holy Spirit. So that would involve some communication. He was promised by the Holy Spirit, before you die, Simeon, you are going to behold, you're going to see the Messiah. It's a fact. And so he had been waiting. And then alongside Simeon, there was another lady that hung around the temple. In fact, she hung around the temple every day after her husband had passed away. And she was a young woman when her husband died. But she's now in her 80s. And she has been at the temple every single day praying. They call her a prophetess. She spoke with God. And she was amongst the people and sometimes people put them in the same position at the same time i've seen beautiful paintings of this two elderly people but Simeon sees Jesus he sees this baby and instantly the holy spirit that's him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm it's an incredible passage that takes place because he goes straight to them he says these awesome things that just confirms what joseph and mary already know, but sometimes you experience doubt. I mean, they just went through a little bit of a a trip with a brand new baby, 40 days old, you know, and now they're in the temple area. It's a mile. I don't know about how that would look on foot, but anyway, or four miles, excuse me. So they, they see this elderly man approach them and say, this is the Messiah. I was promised that I would be able to see him. And here he is, take this baby in his arms. And then he looks at Mary and says these things. I, I don't have it verbatim, but it's, Along the lines of, and a a sword will pierce your heart. He's like talking about all the amazing things that Jesus will do. What he has come to do to save people, to save his people. And a sword will cut through your heart. He looks right at Mary. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then that alongside what we already know is one of the wise men gifts, um, the embalming myrrh. That comes about a year later. That must have just been like, wait, I remember what Simeon told me, and now you're giving me stuff that normally goes on the bodies of my, you know, of the dead. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? So that would have been interesting. And it says in scripture that Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. Yeah, you know? there's
0: that, and that's what I was actually going to ask because there, there's, uh, I guess, ponders would be a word. Mm-hmm. Is there maybe a translation where it says? hit it in her heart or yeah, I, I really so. like the human whatever it was there i like the human connection yeah. there it just really made it so human like she she would be proud yeah. i think and enamored of all the compliments of you know when somebody brags on your kid
1: yeah this is going to be the kid
0: yeah this and, is the one but then obviously the last part there that's whoa that add, i was that, not there's expecting a lot of that pondering there yeah
1: but it just is it serves me to the like i cannot expect anything less than what my master jesus has done for me he has only asked me to pick up my own cross and to follow him we know what happens when we pick up a cross in the scenario of the crucifixion it is not pleasant mm-hmm. there are going to be unpleasantries certainly along the way in this life and so with the joy of having the messiah in her arms somehow it will be painful for her and then this this other woman comes away if it wasn't enough to have simeon you know be able to go yes confirming this is the messiah Anna was one of those people who, you know, she spent enough time with God. I love this thought. If you spend enough time with someone, you're going to be able to pick out their kids. You're going to be able to recognize, oh, my word. Looks just like him. Looks just like him. Spitting image. She spent so much time with God. Every single day she was at the temple since the death of her husband. Every single day. You know, you talk about people at church. They're always here. Are you ever sick? You know, (laughs) Uh, that was Anna. Anna. And so she sees them and she's like, oh, my goodness. And she's overjoyed. She knows this is this tiny, This is the tiny king. This is the Messiah. And they're overwhelmed. And they're like, you guys, everybody around them. And probably, I don't know, they might have been the crazy old man and the crazy old lady. Uh I don't know. But um, I, I think their story of being obedient, she knew what she knew to do. And she did it on a daily basis. And Simeon was obedient, clearly, because he was a righteous man before God. He was a devout man and loved God so much and was obedient. And he knew the Holy Spirit had given him this promise. And he's like, I believe that it's going to come true.
0: The encouragement that I get specifically from her, mm-hmm. um, I have another thought on Simeon, but um, from her that it's encouragement for me to pray more than it is to go to church more. Mm-hmm. Because as one of my pastors, uh church I used to go to says, God doesn't have favorites, but he has intimates. Mm -hmm. And if you're spending time with God, like she was, and and back in the day, that's how you would do it. I mean, she was at the temple, but now because of Jesus and because, you know, then 33 years later in his death, we have this freedom to be able to get to know him anywhere. And it's more than just sitting in a seat. It's important to go to church. Don't get me wrong. But to what the example that I get from her is to know him by talking to him. Yeah. Constantly, And then when, like you said, you're going to know his kid. You're going to know when Jesus is telling you something. Mm-hmm. And I would love to talk about obedience in our day and age here in a little bit. But Simeon, I just wonder, I, I it seemed like maybe because he was just so old when he finally saw Jesus, it seemed like he was ready to go because I think he said, now I can oh, die in peace yes, or whatever. Yes, exactly.
1: You're right. Yeah. But
0: I just wonder, depending on when he was promised this, if he was like 40 right. and if he was just the next day, like he could just... He went cliff diving. He went skydiving. He was yeah. like, hey, I'm be all right because I'm promised I'm going to see Jesus. And I didn't see, see Jesus him. today. So I didn't see he just, Jesus. just wonder if he was a daredevil or not. And
1: then you go around 106. You're like, okay, I I now, can't skydive yeah, another now day. Now
0: I'm just ready to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, where's Jesus yeah. at?
1: Yeah. I Their story's amazing. I love how you brought up the, the fact that you don't necessarily have to go anywhere to a place. You know, the body of Christ is called also the church. Mm-hmm. And we are a part of that body. And that's, that's what's amazing about, you know, we call it, we call it the church. It has become known, I think, as a synonymous word with with building. You know, it, it's not a structure. And, and
0: pastors will tell you, the church yeah. is not the building.
1: No, but it is a place where the church can meet. The yeah. building is the place where the church can meet. Yeah, And that, you know, back in those times, we know that a lot of the people were illiterate. So there was only a select few that were going to be able to learn from mm. the sacred texts and know and understand. And so here I have access to all of it. Isn't it amazing when I, I find myself taking things for granted on so many levels and to so many different things. I'm not just even talking about, you know, learning about Jesus, but just anything. You know, I have air conditioning. I have clean water. All of these things we take for granted and you lose a little bit of the gratitude. You, I hear these incredible stories about missionaries who go into these third world countries. They're so thirsty for scripture. They don't have it. And they've even been told by the people there, I pray for those back in the United States. Why do you pray for us? You're so destitute here. I said, no, it's you who are poor because you have Bibles everywhere, but because you have so much wealth, you don't yeah. grab hold of the stuff that you should be grabbing hold of. And that that's convicting.
0: Uh, honestly, and this, this is sad, but it made me laugh. It was a meme that said, um, remember in the ni- early 90s when we thought our problem was the lack of information readily available <laughs> and the Internet was going to solve it? Well, that wasn't it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Dude. There's this recent episode of The Crown where I and spoiler alert, if you haven't watched The Crown, I don't recommend every episode. But like this, this final season has been just really amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's the Queen's husband who goes on this journey, a spiritual journey. I don't think he knows that's where he's going, but he goes through a midlife crisis. And at the very end, um, as he's been watching the astronauts moon landing and thinking that's where it's at because he's a pilot and that's the ultimate. And, you know, he had to step back from that kind of a career in because now he's this royal person. Uh, he was really struggling and he really thought he would have a satisfying moment in talking with Neil Armstrong and, and uh, their answers weren't satisfying. And he realized, my goodness, my life is as desolate as, desolate as what it must've looked like when they landed on the moon, just hmm. nothing out there. Yeah. My life looks like that when I have no faith and that's where I am. I have no faith. So he meets with his pastor friend, um, and he says, help, help me. And I guess to date, that is one of the things that he takes the most pride in his relationship uh, with this particular priest. And they created a place called St. George's where pastors can, can kind of come together and almost have a support group for each other and talk and reflect. And he has found his faith. It's, Incredible, but that, that, I mean, yeah, we always try to fill up with stuff, it's always the wrong stuff, right? We're looking for answers. Maybe it's the internet, no, it really, we've discovered it's not. Where is it? Well, it's right there in the manger, and it was presented 2,000 years ago. That's the answer.
0: I just wanted to play fancy British music while you talked about the crown.
1: Is that what you're playing?
0: That's that? what I was doing. Yeah,
1: it was so distracting. I'm but, so sorry, you but told me, well.
0: yeah, but, <laughs> but beautiful. beautiful. Uh, with the obedience of the theme of today mm. and Jesus did it, didn't have to do it in that way. He's always going to obey the father, but, uh, Abraham did it to kind of set the foreshadowing, the precedent. So today, how would you say the best way to obey God is? Because we know the rights and the wrongs and the sins and the stay away from this and go to church more and do this. But I, I think there's, there's something deeper than that Mm. in probably identifying the voice of God is, is maybe the first step, but how, what, how would you, to the average person, what would you say obedience looks like in today's day and age? Just to do it. And do what?
1: What I've asked you to do.
0: Besides, of course, the commandments of love God, love your neighbor. Uh, something like this.
1: Yeah, I'm so sorry. I think oh, I lost Oh, Jeff
0: it. gave $200 to charity. I feel like I have to. Does that mean I have to? Oh, yeah. I need to obey, right? Yeah. But then it's com- more comparison than obedience. You're not writing
1: the short tales of other people. Yeah. You're writing the short tales of Jesus. Yeah. That's the only shirt tails take a, take her on a ride on it, and you got to follow what he says. One of my favorite things that he says is after he rises up from the dead, and he's on the beach, and there is Peter and John and the rest of the disciples, and he basically tells Peter how he's he's going to live out the rest of his days, and then ultimately he's going to lay down his life, yeah, for the cause of of this incredible message, good news through Jesus Christ, you know, and Peter's like. Uh, um, I'm going to die. What about John? And he points to John.
0: Yeah. And John's like, oh, come on. Yeah. And Jesus
1: looks at Peter and he says, what
0: about John? Yeah.
1: What about John? How many times have you had that conversation? If you have two children at home and you tell them, I need you to go and do the dishes. Mm -hmm. And they said, but what about, in my case, it would have been, but what about Matt? Uh Uh-huh. I asked you to do the dishes. What about me? You follow me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's yeah, but but that includes the things that might even look positive. Well, maybe God is calling me to do it. Well, maybe He is, but ask him. Yeah. And when I keep my eyes on Jesus, you know, we talk about that during this month and choosing joy, but that is something I should always be doing. And Matthew 633 continues to be one of my favorites, seeking first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be taken care of but if i'm looking to the left or to the right that's not seeking god
0: that's good yeah, i like that because i always want to what i personally i think we just put so much on people when it comes to obedience of you're not a good enough christian oh, or something sure, sure. and it doesn't even necessarily look like stuff it's not a church no. attendance it's not a it's it's identifying the voice of god your identity in him and following
1: yes i think looking in the mirror on a daily basis spiritually is imperative.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's on all counts. That's like the moment that you feel that you're frustrated with somebody else in the way that they're walking out their faith. Look in the mirror. Yeah. Are you seeing something there that frustrates you that you may have to take on as a challenge in your life and say, oh, I do that. Not like exactly like that, but I do that here Hmm. because God may be showing you something. Or in in regards to, oh, this could be a positive thing. Like I'm not flustered because they're doing something negative. They're doing something positive. Am I supposed to do that? Look in the mirror. My identity is supposed to be in Christ. Am yeah. I reflecting Jesus in this moment? Is this what you've
0: called me to? That's really good. And I the pressure is off because he did the work. Yeah. Um, what I what I, I'm gonna play this a little more. I forgot to oh, tell you the story, Rochelle. My dad hates background music. He hates it.
1: <laughs> so why would you play this? Now okay. he's never gonna listen.
0: Well, I know. Well By
1: the way, this is Mozart. Nobody puts Mozart in the corner. No <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he he goes to church because we play background music while we talk on KSBJ and stuff yeah. but at church this is where his problem is you you know that the invitation you know after the pastor speaks and then there's like an altar call or something and you got the, the either the piano or the guitar yeah. are both playing while well, the pastor's like maybe it's you today won't, won't you come maybe he's talking to you altar's open you know, and the stuff like that. Okay. My dad, after every single church service I go to him with, he's like, Why do they play that dang guitar in the background? Can't concentrate on what the pastor's saying. Why do they need to have that noise? She, dad, it's about the emotion, it's about the feel. Just saying, play the guitar afterwards.
1: Oh my word. Just don't ever let your dad write a comment on a church's website because I know him and he's awesome and it's just going to it's going to be taken wrong the guitarist's feelings are going to get hurt
0: we will see you tomorrow day number nine here on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast